0: Well, hello and welcome to the first official episode of the Final Buzzer Podcast, a hockey podcast where we will to give you stats, scores, news from around the league, we'll hit up highlights from the week, and we will talk about general opinions that we may or may not possess ourselves. Uh, I am your host, Jake Bedell, alongside me, my co-host, Frankie Desmond, and uh, just a little introduction about ourselves. I'm 22 years of age. I've been watching hockey for probably four years now. I am a diehard St. Louis Blues fan. And uh, if I couldn't be, uh, Frankie, you, you may judge me here, but I, I think I'm going Tampa Bay Lightning on this one. I've had to go oppo conference uh, to pick a
1: team here. but That's, uh, a, that's a really typical pick. You know, Tampa it... Bay Lightning, one I, of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Look,
0: I, well, but here's the thing. If you wanted to make the argument that I we're picking a winning team, what has Tampa won in the last five years? <laughs> I mean, sure, they're an Eastern conference they final you know, team every you know, year right, but i if I'm a sports fan and this is about to crumble this argument because I'm a blues fan, but if I'm a sports fan, I want to see championships, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know and that doesn't doesn't really translate with the team I root for, especially this season, but I promise we'll get to that in a minute um but why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself
1: yeah I'm also twenty one um I've been a hockey fan since about 2010, and I'm a Blackhawks fan, diehard Blackhawks fan. Obviously, started watching when they started winning, um, and then I would say my favorite, my favorite opposite conference team would have to be um, probably the Maple Leafs, another winning team, a couple good young guys.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well, and with John Tavares coming through just recently, yeah, you know hey. that that could very well be a uh. How should we say? That reminds
1: me of a little Blackhawks 2.0. Yeah, well, I the mean,
0: right? You know, it's it's uh, I can definitely, I, I I can get behind it, but if we're being honest, my uh, my three-way tie for Oppo Conference fan would have been Tampa, Toronto, and weirdly enough, Buffalo. Yeah.
1: 17.
0: Like Yeah, and and it's you know, and it has a little to do with the fact that they're good right now. I don't. If we had started this podcast last year, maybe I have three different picks, but right now, I mean, you know, Buffalo's. They're the opposite side of the league than my current team is, so I guess they can't be that bad of a pick.
1: Nah.
0: Um, but uh, great episode planned this week. We're just going to kind of bump around the league. We're going to start the day before Thanksgiving. We'll bump around scores and different highlights and different uh, trades, firings, all the fun stuff. We'll get you all the news, get you all stacked away. And uh, I guess on that note, we'll just go ahead and dive in. So starting Wednesday, the 21st of November, there were 14 games across the NHL that night. Nashville Predators beat the St. Louis Blues 4-1. to uh, Philip Forsberg, the shorthanded game winner in that game. Whoa, that was fun as a Blues fan. The New Jersey Devils take down the Montreal Canadiens 5-2. to The New York Rangers defeat the New York Islanders 5 nothing. That was Alexander Georgiev's first National Hockey League shutout, so... Shout out to him on that one. Oh, I forgot to mention that in that Blues game, that was uh, the one lone goal scored by the Blues was Robert Thomas's first NHL goal. So good on that kid. Uh, the and Penguins. Scored
1: a lot of one goals lately.
0: Yes, the yeah the Blues have scored a lot of no goals lately too. <laughs> um, you know they're they're having trouble scoring goals right now. But uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins take down the Dallas Stars five to one. The Washington Capitals oust the Chicago Blackhawks four to two. The Carolina Hurricanes take down the Toronto Maple Leafs, 5-2. The Buffalo Sabres on home ice take down the Philadelphia Flyers, 5-2. That was the Sabres' seventh straight win en route to attempting to break a franchise record of ten straight. We'll get to that a little later. The Detroit Red Wings, 3-2 against the Boston Bruins, the final in overtime. Andreas Athanasiou, the game winner in that game, that was his ninth of the season. The Tampa Bay Lightning take down the Florida Panthers, 7-3. The Minnesota Wild take down the Ottawa Senators, 6-4. The Golden Knights over the Coyotes, 3-2 in overtime. Max Pacioretty, the game winner, that was his sixth of the year. The Calgary Flames take down the Winnipeg Jets, 6-3. In that game, Dylan Dubé, his first NHL goal, good on him. And the Anaheim Ducks take down the Vancouver Canucks, 4-3. Calais Kosilla, the game winner, that was his first of the season. And the Avalanche just beating the LA Kings 7-3 on home ice. That was a rough win for, or a rough loss for the LA Kings. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to Friday the 23rd. There were 15 games played the day after Thanksgiving. Only one team had the day off, and I regretfully don't know what team that is. The St. Louis Blues, a complete and utter turnaround from their home-and-home home with the Predators, beat the Predators 6-2 on home ice. The Philadelphia Flyers shut out the New York Rangers 4-0, Cal Pickard, his first shutout of the year in that game. The Sabres beat the Canadiens 3-2 in overtime. Jeff Skinner, two goals in the last five and a half minutes that were played in that game. And that was Buffalo's eighth straight win. The New Jersey Devils lose to the New York Islanders 4-3 in overtime. Matt Barzell, the game winner, that was his third of the season. The Detroit Red Wings lose to the Capitals 3-1. The Minnesota Wild, ousted by the Winnipeg Jets, 4 2. The Anaheim Ducks defeat the Edmonton Oilers in overtime. Uh, Ricard Raquel, the game winner there, that was his fourth of the year. Uh, The Golden Knights take down the Calgary Flames, 2 0. That was Flurry's fourth shutout of the year. The Columbus Blue Jackets take down the Toronto Maple Leafs, 4 2. The Boston Bruins over the Pittsburgh Penguins, 2 1 in overtime. Joachim Nordstrom, the game winning goal, that was his fourth of the season. The Blackhawks lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning, 4-2. The Carolina Hurricanes take down the Florida Panthers, 4-1. Dallas Stars over the Ottawa Senators, 6-4. The Coyotes lose to the Colorado Avalanche at home, 5-1. The San Jose Sharks take down the Vancouver Canucks, 4-0. Aaron Dell's second shutout of the year. And uh, to backtrack little, Hurricanes beat the Panthers, 4-1. Jordan Martnook had a hat trick in that game, goals 5, 6, and 7. And if you're not keeping track, we are. We'll get to the number of boat races, hat tricks, and shutouts towards the end of the week. Boat races win by four or more. That's a big number. We'll get to goal scoring later, too, because those numbers are up. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump to Saturday, November 24th. And this is our first talking point that I don't want to talk about, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets take down the St. Louis Blues 8-4 to in St. Louis. Patrick Laine scored five goals in this game. It hasn't been done since 2011. Yeah, yeah Johan Franzen with the Detroit Red Wings. Last player to put up five in one game. I I think Laine in a post-game interview even mentioned that he had no clue how he was still undefended after his third goal. Yeah. Like, he scored the hat trick, and they were like, oh, you, know, you put up three, what about four and five? And he goes, well... I mean, they just kept leaving me open, so I kept shooting the puck, and he kept scoring goals. It just. I
1: think the most surprising thing about this game is St. Louis scored more than one goal.
0: I, I agree. I mean, it, you know, it's one, and and I made this comment to a friend of mine as we were watching that game. I said, "Look, Linea had five goals that night, and I know hockey doesn't work like this, but if you take line a out of that game, the Blues actually won. So, hey, you know, it it, it it's this one just it if this it, it really is. It just goes to show that our defense. And our goaltending, and our forward, everything's failing this year. It's, you can't even blame it on one thing. I mean, they they just ousted the coach. That didn't work clearly. Um, I I don't know. I'll get off the high horse now. But uh, the yeah, Washington Capitals beat the New York Rangers five to three. The Toronto Maple Leafs shut out the Philadelphia Flyers six 0 That was Garrett Sparks' first shutout of the year. And Andreas Janssen actually had a hat trick in the first period of this game. Goals three, four, and five on the season. And we can jump to Ron Hextall now, because this was the game that cost him his job as the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I've been with the organization since 2014. Uh, I spent seven years as, as an assistant GM in L.A. Uh, they, The Flyers have not won a cup since their two cups in 74 and 75. They reached the final six times since 74-75, and they've lost in all six. Uh, most recent, times. I believe so, yes. Yeah, they've made the playoffs twice with Hextall at the helm. They were ousted in round one both times. And, I mean, I do – do you think it was time to nick the GM? Because two days later, they would nick two more of the front office.
1: Yeah, I – well, it was an uh, assistant – it was one of the scouts, and then it was also an assistant coach, I think.
0: Right, the two that got ousted later. Um, yeah. Yeah, um,
1: I. Uh, I – I think coming into this year – They made the playoffs last year, didn't they? Yeah,
0: they came in the third seed, I think. Third in the Metro.
1: Coming in the third seed, they had a great offseason. And I think upper management was expecting them to contend for first place in their division. And right now, as of November 30th, they're in dead last.
0: Are they really? Dead last in the Metro?
1: In the Metro. Yep. They're tied with the Devils with 22 points in 24 games.
0: This move actually shocked me a little at the time because one of my best friends is a Philadelphia Flyers fan. And I feel like every time he and I talk about the Flyers, they're either at the top of the division or they're at the bottom of the division. And it just, yeah. it's, it, they're such a streaky team. They're so inconsistent. But at the same time, they do have ups that could see them winning the division. And in fact, I think in my preseason rankings, I had them, you know, winning the division, if not if second place. Um, I think I shared those high expectations for the Flyers because end of last season they were gelling like crazy and yeah. they were they were a great team to look at. But at any rate, you know, you lose games, you lose your job, Mike Yo knows that well, as do we all.
1: Um I think the main problem with the um the reason that the coach didn't get fired in this situation, the GM got fired, was Hexaw was really reluctant to give up young prospects in draft picks. He liked to hoard those. He wouldn't flip them for uh proven player to really jumpstart this young team
0: well and a very interesting point you bring up that the coach was not fired because the owner of the team since came out after letting the gm go and said that the coach's job depends on the new general manager so if the new gm comes in and thinks that a new coach is the right way to go then hackstall has gone too so yeah. you know usually, I,
1: usually you fire the coach first and then the gm goes if a GM's fired, it's along with the coach. It's really interesting in this situation that they didn't decide to hire both.
0: I I completely agree. Uh, we'll go ahead and move forward from that. The Boston Bruins take down the Montreal Canadiens 3-2. Uh, John Moore, the game-winning goal, that was his first of the season. The Buffalo Sabres take down the Detroit Red Wings 3-2 in the shootout. That was the Sabres' ninth straight win. Tage Thompson and Sam Reinhart in the shootout secure the win for the Sabres. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks take down the Florida Panthers 5-4 in overtime. Alex Debrinkit, with .8 seconds left on the clock, ties the game. Eric Gustafson, the game-winner in overtime, that was his third of the year. The Panthers, Frankie, led this game 4-2. How did it get away from them? I thought they had it.
1: I, I thought they did, too. It's So many games, the Blackhawks have been down 4-2 lately. They, the Against the Washington Capitals, they lost 4-2. And then somehow this time, they were able to score at the right time, and I mean, you get one of your top three scorers to score, and it's gonna happen once in a while.
0: I, uh, I, I watched that game, and I was a little, uh, I was a little jealous <laughs> that the Blackhawks not only know how to score, but they know when to score, and they can do yeah. both things well, if they put their minds to it.
1: That hasn't happened a lot
0: lately. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we you know. I, I think we're, we all know that. Uh, The New York Islanders take down the Carolina Hurricanes, 4-1. The Pittsburgh Penguins take down their division rival, Columbus Blue Jackets, 4-2. The Colorado Avalanche take down their division rival, the Dallas Stars, 3-2 in regulation. Miko Ranton, the game winner, that was his 10th of the season. The Vegas Golden Knights shut out the San Jose Sharks, 6-0. That was Marc-Andre Fleury's fifth shutout and his second straight. Vegas on a little bit of a heater at that point. The Vancouver Canucks take down the LA Kings. 4-2. 4-2. and Oh, uh,
1: right
0: there. Kay. The Kings this season. The
1: LA Kings this season. How bad have they been?
0: The only thing I'm going to say in favor of Vancouver in that game, Adam Gaudet, his first NHL goal, good on him. The Kings, they, they have a problem scoring two years ago. Last year, they go on an absolute tear, led by Andre Kopitar, 96 points on the year. This season, they still think they have a scoring problem going in. Now, granted, in the postseason, they did. So they sign Ilya Kovalchuk out of the KHL. That's supposed to boost their scoring up. They're in last place, and I can't talk Uh, because I think we're only tied in points at this point. Yeah, tied in
1: points. They've played two more games, though.
0: I was going to say, I think it's merely a game-in-hand situation at this point that's keeping St. Louis out of 31st. But the LA Kings, it's shocking. Now, granted, they have kind of a Vegas Golden Knights problem this year in the respect that their starter and their backup goaltender are both out. Cal
1: but they have only scored 55 goals. That is the least in the league by five goals.
0: And I'm, I'm so assuming the next, that...
1: The next closest is the Arizona Coyotes. Really? With 60 goals for their second lowest.
0: So for all the joking yeah. we've already done about St. Louis not scoring goals, where do they fall on this list?
1: <laughs> they have about 70 goals. Looks like middle of the pack. Okay.
0: So they're I'm just really cool. bad at hockey then. All right, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> no, they, they don't have that bad of a different goal differential. Actually, it's minus seven. Not terrible. Not good. Right. Not, you know the Blackhawks have a minus twenty three goal differential. Wow. That's partly due to letting up eleven or so goals these last two games, but
0: well, more on that later, I think. No, but the the LA Kings, you know, uh, Jonathan Quick's out. Their backup, who is their backup right? Now? Oh, um, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's out, which brings in Cal Peterson. I have a personal issue with Cal Peterson because his first NHL shutout was against the Blues, and that was what caused them to fire <laughs> Mike Yo. I think too late, but that's irrelevant. Yeah, the LA Kings, I think just one of the biggest disappointments this year. I, I really think that they're just top of the pack on paper, and here they are, bottom of the hole, and I have no clue what to think about them anymore. Uh, moving on to Sunday, November 25th. There were only four games in the NHL this day. The Calgary Flames take down the Arizona Coyotes 6-1. to The interesting thing I saw in this game... Calgary scored three shorthanded goals in this game. So half the goals they scored were shorthanded. Two of those three shorties were on the same penalty kill. This is against the team that led the league, and I think still leads the league, in shorthanded goals. The Arizona Coyotes had 11 going into this game. The Flames are now second in the league because of this game. Rather interesting that you have such an offensive penalty kill, and then your power play just lays an egg and gives up three shorthanded goals. The Tampa Bay Lightning take down the New Jersey Devils 5-2, to no real surprise there. The Nashville Predators take down the Anaheim Ducks 5-2. to Austin Watson had the hat trick in this game, that was goals 2-3 and 4 for him on the year. And the LA Kings take down the Edmonton Oilers 5-2. to Dustin Brown also had a hat trick, those were goals 4-5 and 6 for him. Moving on to Monday, November 26th. Now Frankie, we can either talk about it now or I can get to it in five games. You want to get to the Schmaltz trade already?
1: We can wait, we can right. wait. Let's, let's let's go through all these games and then we can
0: go through them. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give her a minute. Toronto Maple Leafs take down the Boston Bruins 4-2. to Igor Oznaganov, his first NHL goal. Uh, the Florida Panthers take down the New Jersey Devils 4-3 in overtime. Mike Hoffman, the game-winner in overtime, that was his 12th of the season. He actually scored twice in this overtime, and they called one of them no goal, so he scored again with a slapper from the left point three seconds later. Wonderful, wonderful way to win it. Uh, The Washington Capitals take down the New York Islanders 4-1. An interesting matchup there. That is the Capitals defeating their old coach on his home ice now, Barry Trotz. Uh, The New York Rangers take down the Ottawa Senators 4-2. The Columbus Blue Jackets stomp the Red Wings at home 7-5. That game looked a lot worse before Detroit put 2 or 3 in unanswered to make it look respectable. So, those were the scores that day, but that morning, a trade went down between the Arizona Coyotes and the Chicago Blackhawks, and I will turn this over to my uh, esteemed co-host to give me his thoughts.
1: So, for that trade, the Hawks traded Nick Schmaltz away for Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini. Now, Schmaltz was a 20th overall pick in 2014, Strom was a 3rd overall pick in 2015, and Perlini was a 12th overall pick in 2014. Now. I'd say about a year ago, the Hawks wouldn't even thought about trading Nick Schmaltz. He was seen as their future number one center. He would take over for Dave's. He was going to be the number one guy. But there were some problems with his game. He passed way too much. This year before he got traded, he had nine assists and only two goals. I mean, he's he's a great playmaker, skates really well, but for some reason he just was very reluctant to pull the trigger. His face-off numbers are egregious. They're, he is terrible on the dot. His three years in the league, 2016, he had a 30.9% face-off percentage. 2017-2018, he had a 40.1%. percentage. And then this year, before he got traded, he was up to 433 but the Hawks had already moved him over to a winger for most of the year. He was playing not in his natural position, and it just seemed like the Hawks were starting to give up on him, and he's due a contract at the end of the year. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Now, with all that being said, Nick Schmaltz has a lot of talent, and to trade someone like that, it's Stan Bowman yet again trading a promising young player, but getting back Dylan Strome, and Brendan Perlini, they're both former two first-round picks that also aren't performing up to their potential. So, I like the trade because instead of having one underperforming for, from first-round pick, they're having two now. And you're more likely to hit on one of those two than you are with hitting only one of them. Now, that, with that being said, I think Schmaltz has a higher ceiling, but still. Well,
0: And I'll give you my thoughts on this maybe from the perspective of the Coyotes. First of all, as... Looking at the other half of this, thank you for yet another Black Hawk in Arizona. Good lord! Stan Bowman needs to get fired by the Blackhawks and get hired by the Yotes. He's basically their GM anyway. I mean, they took on what host's contract last year. They took Jalmerson. Who else do they have from?
1: Inostroza, there you go. Ranta.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So really, just we joke about the. We joke about Florida. The Panthers in particular being a retirement home for the NHL. Well, it really seems like if you're a Blackhawk, you retire in Arizona, and that's just how it works. You either
1: go to Arizona, Carolina, or Florida if you're a Blackhawk.
0: But what I really like about this deal from the perspective of Arizona is that they have a lot of guys that were playing the center position that have a really great shot, and all they needed was time and space. And as a center, as a playmaker, you don't really get a lot of time and space if the defense opposing you doing their job what this allowed them to do was take a guy like nick schmaltz who i mean two goals and nine helpers he's clearly dishing the puck this year he's reluctant to shoot so you put a guy like that in a position to where you could put some of these talented centermen on the wing of nick schmaltz yeah and all of a sudden arizona has one more line they can roll and they're just that much closer to doing what they need to do and I think in the long-term respect, if you're looking at Jeremy Colleton trying to spark this team, maybe long-term rebuild this team, maybe rebuild while not rebuilding, because that's kind of what they're trying to do. Well,
1: I like in this press move. the conference, uh, John McDonough stated that their goal this year is still to make the playoffs. So, at least not publicly, they're not admitting this is a rebuild.
0: No, but when you look at this deal... You give up a 22-year-old for a 21-year-old and a 22-year-old. So clearly you're bringing in more young talent, which means you're looking more at the long-term than looking at the short-term. Now, I do understand the fact that as as someone who follows the Hawks, you can put young players on the ice at the same time as that storied core, and those young players are going to play better. And in some respects, it even forces the veterans to play better. So maybe this is a play... Kind of referencing what DeBrinket did last year, came in and just went nuts with the old core. So maybe they're looking to kind of hype the veterans up in some way by doing this, shake the roster up a little.
1: They might be looking to find a center to work with DeBrinket and Kane, and so they all three get on the same line. Dylan Strom, have you seen his OHL stats when he was on the same line as uh, McDavid and DeBrinket?
0: No, but I, I mean, you, you just okay. said McDavid and Dabrinkit, so my only yeah, assumption so is that they're ridiculous.
1: In 2014-15 in the OHL on the Erie Otters, Dabrinkit, Connor McDavid, and Dylan Strom were all on the same line. That year, Dylan Strom led the OHL in points with 45 goals, 84 assists, and 68 games played. Connor McDavid came in third that year with 44 goals and 76 assists. Yeah, that was only in 47 games.
0: Good lord.
1: And then DeBringcat was 7th in the league in, score, in scoring that year with 51 goals, 53 assists, and that was in 68 games played. So they have chemistry together. And I think the Hawks really want to have an elite top line. And if you put DeBrincat, Strom, and Kane together, Strom is a big-bodied center. He's Kind of like an Artem Anisimov kind of dude, where you can get to the front of that score like that. He's a little slow. That's the big knock on him right now is his skating. But he has a knack for scoring, and if you can put those three on a line, and that's a lot of goals right there. Well, the Hawks right now need to score goals because their defense is letting a lot of.
0: But to be fair to Strom, when you're playing on a line with Connor McDavid, you look slow no matter how fast you are. So. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, and you, yeah, you're right. Maybe they're hoping, you know, Strom to bring it, and then Kane, maybe Kane's got the scoring touch that McDavid has, minus some of the speed, but if you set him up with a slick pass, you're good. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they're hoping that this can be their big line. Now, do they still have Saad, Taves? Who else, who's who's winging that line now?
1: They've experimented with Perlini up there now. They've okay. experimented with Cahoon, but since Q got fired, they moved Cahoon off that top line. Okay. Um. Really, it's just about, in the NHL these days, a lot of teams are rolling with a top line that is, they're not splitting up their best players. They're putting all their best players on one line, and they're expecting a lot of goals out of them. Maybe that's what the Hawks are doing, wanting this to bring cash Jerome into the game line. I think I think it could work.
0: I, I think it could. Now, now, here's, well, I mean, I don't think your, I think your your thought process is spot on here when you look at some of the numbers across the league. I mean, right now, Miko Rontanen, Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon. Those three, probably, arguably the best line in hockey right now. And then you look at the top line for the Boston Bruins, the top line for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I could go on for half the league. But when you kind of dig into the bottom nine of any of those teams, the further you dig, the less you find is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And yet... Yeah.
1: Right, right now, the Hawks' bottom six is, there's no doubt the score. It's DeBrick Cat, it's Hayes, and Kane. And that's that's short right
0: now for the yeah. Hawks. so. Well, uh, I you know I, all I'm gonna say is this. This is November the 30th. We're recording this. We're gonna stop talking about league news the 28th. So we're not gonna cover the 30th until next week's episode. But I watched the Arizona game from last night, and Nick Schmaltz looked pretty good.
1: Coolness. Sis.
0: Looked pretty good. And well, and Aiden Hill. Again, previewing next week a little. Aiden Hill is first shutout in the NHL last night against the Nashville Predators in Smashville. That's a pretty big accomplishment, if you ask me. At any rate, plugging along here, Tuesday, November 27th, the Buffalo Sabres take down the San Jose Sharks 3-2 in overtime on home ice. That was their 10th straight win. Ties a club record for most consecutive wins. Jeff Skinner, the game-winning goal in overtime, that was his 19th goal of the year. Tied for the league lead at the time with Patrick Line. The Ottawa Senators beat the Philadelphia Flyers 4-3. to The Senators had three unanswered goals in the third. Matt Duchesne, the game winner, that was his 11th of the year. This was right after they fire their GM and hope that something else is coming along. They lose this game. After this game, they cut off the other two front office men that they let go. It was after they had a, a 3-1 lead at home in the third, and they let the game slip. <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes take down the Montreal Canadiens 2-1. to Trevor Van Riemsdyk the game-winning goal. That was the second of the year. Interesting stat that I didn't look at until just now. The shots in that game, 49 shots the Canadians had, 22 the Hurricanes had, and the Hurricanes won that game 2-1. Those are great wins, let me tell you. I'm sure those just feel fantastic.
1: Right now, uh, Carolina is third in the Metro, yet they only have 66 goals for it, towards the bottom of the league. They just haven't given an a lot all only well, 69 and... goals against.
0: I don't think I have this in my notes at all, actually, so I'll I'll just bring it up now. But this is a problem that St. Louis has. St. Louis is now 0-6-3 in one-goal games this year. We have not won a one-goal game yet. And here I thought, we'll get to this in just a minute, on Wednesday night, the 28th of November, they played the Detroit Red Wings at Little Caesars Arena on national TV, and it was a tie game with five minutes left. And the Blues still haven't won a game in regulation, so we'll get there in a minute, but, you know, just you got to score goals, and if you don't score goals, you got to know when to score goals. And that's just how you're going to win games. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-1 in Tampa. The Colorado Avalanche take down the Nashville Predators 3-2. Tyson Jost, the game winner, that was his fourth of the season, came on the power play. Arizona Coyotes take down the Minnesota Wild 4-3. to Arizona had three unanswered goals in the third. Josh Archibald, the game-winning goal, that was his second of the year. The Pittsburgh Penguins take down the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. Zach Aston Reese, the game winner, that score was four to three. It was Aston Reese's second goal of the season. The Vegas Golden Knights take down the Chicago Blackhawks on home ice eight to three. Dylan Strom scored his first goal as a Blackhawk in that game. The
1: first uh, goal, first assist.
0: Do you have any thoughts before I move on? <laughs> Is there anything you want to take from that game?
1: I mean the Hawks just have a terrible blue line. And Crawford isn't bailing them out. Don't get me wrong, Crawford's still playing really well, but when you have such a bad blue line, like when you give up a lot of high-scoring chances, they're going to go in, and the Hawks just can't limit that right now.
0: The Edmonton Oilers take down the Dallas Stars 1-0 in overtime. Oscar Kleffbaum, the game-winning goal in overtime, that was his first of the year. Miko Koskinen, the shutout in that game, that was his second of the season. Koskinen has only played so far this season in the NHL. He's got two shutouts already which is probably good for better than half of the NHL starting goalies right now. And last but not least, on Tuesday, the LA Kings finally win a game. Take down the Vancouver Canucks, 2-1 in overtime. Dustin Brown, the game-winning goal, that was his seventh of the year. And moving on to the last day we're going to cover, Wednesday, November 28th. First game we'll talk about, why not, Blues, Red Wings, Little Caesars Arena. Red Wings beat the Blues 4-3 in regulation. The Blues have now dropped 7 of 9 going into the game they're currently playing. They fell down 0-3, tied the game, and then gave up the game winner with 5 minutes left on the clock. Tyler Bertuzzi, the game winning goal his 8th of the year. I don't yeah, know
1: what that's, that's terrible losing to the Red Wings.
0: I don't know what else the Blues can do at this point. We have fired Mike Yo Craig Barube was kind of handed a dumpster fire and told to make it work. Uh, blues fans, if you're out there and you want my opinion, Jay Boemeester's gotta go. And if you want my other opinion, Jimmy Howard is not the answer. There were rumors going into this de- Howard. There were rumors going into this Detroit Red Wings game that there were St. Louis Blues scouts at the prior game in Detroit watching Howard. And it was then rumored just after that there may be a deal going on between the Blues and the Red Wings that involved Jake Allen and Jimmy Howard. Let me tell you something. Jimmy Howard is not the answer.
1: I will take Jake Allen any day over Jimmy Howard. Uh, Even though yeah. Allen is not that great. Well, and here's Jimmy the thing. Howard is not that great yet.
0: Allen is a very athletic goaltender. He's a very aggressive goaltender. He handles the puck very well. But he gets in his head very well, too. And on top of that, 30 goaltenders that have a starting position right now understand what a clutch save is. Jake Allen is the 31st. That poor guy has no clue how to come up with a game-changing save, unless it's a game that doesn't really mean any. The only game that I ever remember him to just steal the game was Game 1 of the playoffs two years ago against the Wild in Minnesota. And, like, that's great and all, but I'd love to see him play like that in a Game 7. Game 1, you can lose Game 1 and win the series in five games. I just, it, it, the clutch saves aren't coming when they need to. The defense is not gelling at all and we've got seven defensemen and jay Bomeister for some reason is still one of them i don't know why i mean he's scored more goals on our net than he has on the opposite net
1: right now Bomeister is a 5.4 million cap hit but he's only signed through the end of this year and he's an unrestricted free agent after the uc do me a
0: favor i'm a little nauseous tonight it's, it's flu season never mention that cap hit number to me ever again that is the worst That's- contract I think Doug Armstrong signed, period.
1: Okay, I thought you were going to say one of the worst contracts ever, and I was about to say Stan Bowman has something to say yeah. about that. With no, no,
0: no, no, no. No, That was that's just one of – in my opinion, that is one of Doug's worst contracts that we are carrying right now. And the problem is, you know, I keep saying, oh, get rid of Bowmeister, trade Bowmeister. Well, who is going to take a defenseman damn near 40 at 5.2 a year?
1: 5.4. That's Yeah, 5.
0: – even worse. Like, no one –
1: not yeah, even. At, at what point, as a Blues fan, at what point do you just want them to keep on losing, trade away veterans, build around the core, and?
0: I mean, don't get me wrong, I am always. Yeah, I am always. I I already have saved in my phone the hashtag lose for Hughes. I I'm waiting for it. I am waiting. I, look, right now, 23 games in, we're eight, twelve, and three, 19 points in the standings. We are tied for LA with bottom of the league and we simply have two games in hand. We have lost, like I said, 7 of our last 9 going into this game. Our schedule right now, Colorado currently is happening right now. Then we are in Arizona tomorrow night. We play Edmonton at home, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Florida, Colorado, Calgary. We take a Western Canadian road trip, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, New York. If we get out of December, 5 games over 500, then I think we can we can breathe.
1: Five games over 500. I know that that's, I know that, that sounds win right now nine more than they lose.
0: Yeah, basically, I I'm, I'm aware. The four games under 500 right now. They're 8 and 12. So,
1: that's the expectations.
0: So basically, they've got 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13. They have 13 games in December. Turn something around, go 9 and 4 in December, and I think everybody shuts up and lets the Blues do their thing for the year conversely, if you go 4-9 and in December, then I think it's time. And believe me, people are already talking about this. Who could the Blues haul? What could they get? And Blues fans, if you want my opinion, here it is. I understand, and believe me, I I, I live in this crowd too, I understand that Tarasenko is the end-all be-all to most of us. I love him. The kid's immensely talented. He's really young. I mean, he's got a pretty hefty cap hit for the way he's performing right now, but he's got potential and I like him. However, 30 other teams in the league would really, really like him, and we could get some serious overhaul for that player. So maybe you humor trades for Tarasenko and see what you get. I don't know. Really? No, really. I mean, I— Because, look, you don't want to give up a guy like Alex Steen, because he's one of the hardest working players on our team. You don't want to give up— he's 34. Steen? Well, okay, yeah. Sorry, I'd rather give up Tarasenko and have a guy who's going to work for the rest of the season rather than give up Steen— and then have a guy like Tarasenko just mummying around the ice for 60 minutes a night. Like, it's really, you know, I'd rather have a guy in the play than have a guy off in no man's land waiting for the puck he's not going to get because we can't score goals anyway. Now, half of that's his fault, I think, but I'll get off that high horse. Um, You know, so I think you got to keep Steen. you got to keep Alex Petrangelo because you got to build a defense around something. So you keep Petrangelo. I... You keep Steen. You keep Braden Shen. You keep Ryan O'Reilly because O'Reilly's been the only player to show up this year. Um, you keep yeah. on a
1: good deal. Five and a half million per year. Yeah, you
0: keep pareiko and, and that was so that was the so that was the interesting thing. I was watching NHL Tonight at one point, and they were mimicking trades that Toronto could have been offered for Willie Nylander. And one of the deals was Pareco for Nylander one for one. And I said, absolutely not. If you want one of our young defensemen, in my opinion, go after Joel Edmondson. He's on a bridge deal right now. He could be a rental player. He's young. I'd, for some reason, be more okay giving up Eddie than I would giving up Pareco. but you keep Petro, Pareco, Steen, Shen, O'Reilly, you can keep Chad Johnson, get rid of Jake. I love Jake, I support Jake, he's my goaltender, get rid of him. Three years, three years of a mental break. In December and January, not just one game, but two straight months of your season is a mental break for him, and he's given up five goals a game. Couldn't get in front of a beach ball. I mean, I... Give up the goaltender. Make a couple of big trades should you decide to go four and nine in the month of December. And then see if if you can keep Colorado from getting Jack Hughes, because that's the other thing. If the Ottawa Senators win the Hughes lottery, Hughes plays for Colorado, because Colorado has Ottawa's first pick... And it's un- it's unprotected. So if it is a first-round, first overall, Colorado gets Hughes. And they've already got Rotten and Landeskog McKinnon, Tyson Jost, Alexander Kerfoot. They've got a nice forward core that Hughes would love to become a part of. So let's lose real bad and make sure we're going to do it or just <laughs> give up on it. Now, I, don't, I mean, burn the whole thing to the ground. I don't care. If they win this game, I will obviously be a little more optimistic for the next 24 hours. And then when they play Arizona tomorrow night, that'll be a different story. But... We'll get off that high horse for now. Moving on, the Anaheim Ducks take down the Florida Panthers, 3-2 in regulation. Nick Ritchie with the game winner there. That was his fourth of the year. The Toronto Maple Leafs take down the San Jose Sharks, 5-3 in regulation. This was the first game Toronto had with Austin Matthews back. Two goals and a helper in that game. I think he played pretty well. Uh, another interesting stat about this game, Patrick Marlowe. Scores a goal against his former team, the San Jose Sharks. Marlow has now scored against all 31 teams in the league. San Jose was the only team he hadn't scored. Right. It was his former team, the only one he hadn't scored against. And now he's got them all. Not many people can say they have. The Dallas Stars take down the Calgary Flames 4-3 in overtime. Tyler Sagan, the game winner. That was his eighth of the year. And the Colorado Avalanche take down the Pittsburgh Penguins 6-3. This was an interesting game. The Avalanche went up 3-0. And then Sidney Crosby, in some Herculean effort, does a Sidney Crosby thing and scores a natural hat trick to tie the game on his own. And then the Avalanche fight back for the game-winning goal. I don't have the man who scored that goal, I apologize. And then there were two empty netters after that for the 6-3 victory. Sidney Crosby, clearly still showing he can gel. That was 11, 12, and 13 on the year for him. Just an incredible night as one player. So for those of you who were keeping track or were not keeping track, five hat tricks this week, seven shutouts, and twelve boat races, win by four or more. Now, have you looked at the numbers, my friend, with the goal scoring this season and how high the goal scoring is now?
1: I have not.
0: The goal scoring this year, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it's up something like a half a point or more than a half a point on average. I don't um know. What's that? Half a goal. Yeah, just like league-wide, okay. they're scoring, you know, about half a goal more on average every game. And it feels like they are too. But the I guess the the point that I mean to to tap at here is this what helps the NHL get back on the map? Is this what helps people get back and sit down and watch hockey games now that they're scoring goals again in Europe? I don't
1: know. I don't know. The NHL has a it's really it's almost a niche sport because Hockey is very prevalent in more northern states. And I think it's pretty popular in those states. But once you get down in the south, it's less prevalent. And it's it has to turn a town into a hockey town. You really have to have a good team, I think. I, I don't know. Maybe the NHL can get up there. It just seems like... I think the NHL will have success if it just keeps going. Maybe there's more goals scored. Maybe... You get, like, a, I think a great idea would be to have, like, the, you know how there's NFL Red Zone? Yeah. And you can turn on Red Zone and you can see any game. They're, they're showing all these different games in the Red Zone. Mm-hmm. With hockey, that's a little harder because games are so fast-flowing. But if they could turn, if they could have, like, a network like that where you could watch games across the league on a night and it's just a rotating tap of games that's happening and you're jumping in. From here, there, close gains. at the end of the game. Right. Maybe that helps. I'm okay. I'm just a bit here.
0: Right. Well, the point that you made, that I, the comment you made that I liked, because it reminded me we forgot something, and we can't forget anything here on this fabulous show. Uh, you mentioned good teams making cities a hockey market. Yeah. So let's talk about Vegas for a minute, because this team acquired. Well, I shouldn't even say acquired. They were just simply allowed to have one of their players back, one of their top defensemen. And this team has turned their stuff around in the last couple of games. Uh, Nate Schmidt off of his 20-game suspension for the mildest substance abuse you could possibly imagine. Did you read anything about this when it happened last summer?
1: I, I did not. So,
0: from the understanding I have, he took a test, they found something. It was so minuscule, whatever they found, that... He, first of all, he said that it was something the trainers had given to him. And of course, Vegas jumped out immediately and said, no way, that's not what happened. But what I'm getting at is the trace was so small, it could have been, could have entered his body in any fashion. No one really came out and said what it was, but it was this illegal substance. He couldn't have it in him, whatever that was. They nabbed him for 20 games. He comes back. So they played eight games in November without Nate Schmidt. They went three and five in those eight games. They were scoring 2.87 goals per game and Mark Andre Fleury in those 8 games had a 901 save percentage. And then Schmidt comes back. Schmidt comes back. They go 6 and 1. They're scoring 4.43 goals per game and Fleury's got a 934 save percentage in the 7 games with him. So the question I have for you is, now that Schmidt's back and that blue line is bolstered, is this sustainable? The is this Knights. the
1: Vegas of last year?
0: Right. Is this the Vegas we saw last year? Is the Vegas that we saw last year finally a team again because they have arguably their best defenseman back?
1: I mean, they've been looking really well these last few games.
0: I mean they just put up a I mean I I, I get it, it's they're the Blackhawks. This is not the statement win.
1: they're what now? On a five game win streak. Right. And, and their last time they're seven and three. And,
0: and you know, and I get like I said, I get this is not the Vegas or the uh the Chicago of two thousand ten, if you will. But they just stepped into the United Center and put up an eight spot, which is not something you can say quite a bit. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, they sh- they shut out the Golden Knights six nothing this week. I it's just or shut out the the Sharks. My bad. They're looking they're looking pretty good right now, and they're looking like a force to be reckoned with. I really, uh, I think a lot of people early into the season wrote this team off because at one point they were. At one point it was I don't recall when it was sometime in late October the Golden Knights and the Blues played in vegas and at the time of that game la vegas and st louis were all in the lose for hughes race and now vegas has turned their whole season around so we're i wonder in
1: the yeah so
0: i wonder if this is sustainable and if you know they make a playoff spot i don't i don't think no matter what we've said here or the numbers we've looked at i don't think they go back to the cup final um i think no, i
1: think the, i think the west is too good
0: i think Maybe this time San Jose prevails in that matchup with Eric Carlson now that he's finally lighting the lamp and he's found his game again, I think. Um, maybe that poses some issues for Vegas this year. I don't know, but, uh, you know, stay tuned in mid-May for for postseason, <laughs> post-season picks, I guess. Um, but, you know, Vegas, turning their season around, definitely, I think, sustainable if you can keep the whole team bought into the system and Gerard Gallant can take you on a run, maybe you make playoffs, I don't know. My friend, is there anything else we've not covered, left out, anything else you want to talk about before
1: we go ahead and wrap up this episode? I think we have to cover the Nylander situation.
0: Ah, you, I, okay, I almost forgot. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that
1: up. So today's November 30th, it's a Friday, and tomorrow's December 1st.
0: So he has until 5 p.m. tomorrow to either sign a deal with Toronto or be traded by Toronto if he's eligible
1: does he have to sign the deal with the new team if he's traded by 5 p.m
0: i don't think so he might it very well could be that he has to sign the new deal i'm i'm i'd be curious to know that actually because if he gets traded
1: he's he was tendered as an rfa and so right now he's still a restricted free agent that just hasn't signed yet
0: oh okay so he so he's not currently contracted by the Yes,
1: he doesn't have a contract but
0: Okay. So then, Monaco
1: still has his rights. They just have to sign him by December first. Okay. For him to play this year. So it so, might be the case where he has to sign with the new team.
0: You're right. It, you yeah. You could be. So it could be something where Kyle Dubas is entertaining offers, but the offers have to include the fact that you would sign him because if he's if he gets traded, he can still sign with that new team, but he's got to sign by five o'clock to play this year.
1: That's so,
0: what what's that? That's what I'm thinking. About. Yeah. So. You know, does he sign with a new team by 5 o'clock to open up the fact that he can play this year? Or does he take the hit on not playing this year and maybe stick around, wait for a bridge deal? I'm not totally sure. But it sounded like the last I had heard was that the two parties were about $300,000 off.
1: And at that point, when you're $300,000 off, do you just think Nylander goes, you know what, I'm just going to take maybe a one-year deal, a two-year deal at... Whatever Toronto wants, and then I walk next year. I'm an unrestricted free agent. Let me find somewhere with with that opinion.
0: I think that's definitely an option. And I'll and I'll tell you what, what kind of started this. And I've been hearing this for a while now. The name you hear when this argument comes up is Leon Draisaitl, because he had this. He was in this situation, not the same one obviously, but he he was due a new contract coming into this last season, and the Edmonton Oilers. Signed him to a pretty sizable deal, and now a lot of these players like Nylander think that they're worth that or more. And I think that's where the yeah. difference comes in is that he's asking for a little more than what Drysaddle signed for, which comparatively is a perfectly fair number. But the number of contracts that Toronto has to sign in the next two years is pretty hefty. When we look, yeah. at, you know, when you look at their list of players they got to sign next year, you're looking at Kasperi Kapanen. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. Austin, yeah, Austin. right. Austin Matthews. I, that's um,
1: that's going to be a big number. Austin Matthews is one of the best players in the league. It's got to be over ten million dollars.
0: I. Connor McDavid came in at twelve and a half. I you don't think, think he
1: gets twelve and a half. Yeah,
0: I don't think Matthews comes in for any less than twelve and a half. And I, I, I'm honestly surprised if Matthews opens at twelve and a half. If he opens oh. at twelve and a half, that's a hometown discount, and Dubas signs him just like that. I don't think there's any way that he comes in at that number. But I think we all know that in the back closet, that's, he'd, I'm sure he'd sign for that. I think he'd sign there. Matthews seems like a guy, Matthews seems like Tavares to me. He seems like a guy who wants to be in Toronto. And so maybe he'll take a small hit. And he also seems like the kind of guy, Matthews has been around for a year now. He's seen this whole Nylander thing. Do you think at all that maybe Matthews would take that small hit on his cap to give Kyle Dubas the cap space to sign Nylander. maybe, maybe, maybe.
1: I don't know. I don't We're know. Playing with guys' money right now, so
0: right. It's... But you know, when you're looking at the difference between, you know, let let's say just for just for giggles, Matthews asks, you know, for thirteen
1: five. Yeah.
0: You know, you think he'd be willing to drop to thirteen three, or thirteen two, so they can meet Nylander where he wants to be. I mean, I'm not a hockey player, and I don't make money like this, but I think fighting like that over $300,000 is... It's it's chump change to me at that point if you're making that kind of money, but, I mean, what do I know? Yeah.
1: Well, next next year, right now, their projected cash base, this is Toronto's projected cash base right now, is about $30 million. So they have space to do stuff. That's, that's, a, that's some pretty sizable money to play with.
0: And see, I still find myself slightly shocked that they've got that much money and they're worried about this. Now, granted, the more that I say that, the more they look at it and go, "Okay, thirty thousand is what they're projected to have in cap space."
1: They have six forwards under contract
0: next right. year. Right. Matthews eats up thirteen. Let's just say thirteen. Yeah. Uh, Matthews eats up thirteen. I'm gonna argue and fight me if you think I'm wrong. I'm gonna argue that if they get Nylander, and if they get Kapanen and if they get Marner. The three of those players are going to eat up the other eighteen million they have. 15,
1: 18, yeah, yeah. That's,
0: that's like true. I, I think they get the four. 15. Now, who does that leave no, them? Who does that leave them without? It leaves them without Parland,holm Andreas Janssen, and Frederick Gautier, and Tyler Ennis. So it leaves you without some depth, but does it leave you without players that you're going to miss? I guess is my question when you're looking at the guys you're trying to sign. But, you know, it, it, but it is a it is an opportunity, however, to commit to guys because, you know, Josh Levo is also a name plays fourth line minutes right now. Is he, I mean, he's 25. I was going to say he was young, but he's 25 already. Um, but, you know, this is a guy you maybe you let him walk and now you get a little more cap space per person. Tyler Ennis is going to be 30 next year. I don't know if you want to offer him a deal at that age. When you've got these younger kids that are playing like they are. Par Lindholm, the other name we're talking about, he's 27. So maybe you put that's the money hard. where the young kids are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's where this league is going. That's why I'm still just baffled. Austin Matthews is 21. Patrick Marlowe could be his dad. Marlowe's 39 right now. <laughs> like that,
1: and Marleau... This is as old as
0: me. is the oldest player on this team by 11 years. Yeah. Tyler Ennis and Nazem Kadri are 28. And Marlowe's thirty nine, so oh, they,
1: have, they have Ron Hainsey, that's thirty seven, defenseman.
0: Okay, okay. See, I was looking at their forward course. So defense. So Hainsey's up there too. Um, yeah. but the thing that that I find interesting is that you know Marlowe he's signed through twenty twenty at six two five a year. That's a that's a that's a pretty penny. Could
1: they like to
0: move that? Uh, you know.
1: Just in case it. They... They want to keep Nylander around and Marner, and Austin Matthews.
0: They actually they uh they worked they worked a no move clause into Marlowe's contract. Ah, I uh,
1: see that.
0: Yes, Marlowe's got a no move. Nazem Kadri has a no trade. Um, Ron Hainsey also has a no trade, and Freddie Anderson has a no trade. So yeah, I, and it's smart. Lock up one defenseman, one goaltender, and a couple of forwards that'll you know. But they've yeah. also, you know, and, and Tavares has a no-move clause too. So you've locked up 21 million, almost 22 million in three forwards over the next, so, you know, couple of years.
1: So bring this back around...
0: To Nylander. What do
1: you think happens with the Nylander situation? Do you think he gets traded? Do you think he signs? Or do you think he sets out the rest of the year?
0: I think the best case... I'm going to go best case and worst case from the perspective of Kyle Dubas. I think best case in Dubas' perspective, you get him... To either you take that three hundred thousand that they're apart, and maybe you get him to meet you halfway at one five and you add that to the number and you sign him tomorrow. That's probably best case. Worst case is I think the worst case is he sits and here's why. if he sits this year and signs next year, you know Dubas has waited too long already. Nylander now knows that it's his way or the highway. So if oh. you try to sign him next year, he's going to see what you signed Matthews for. And he's going to, yeah, he's going to up the number. He's gone again. Do they trade him? Potentially. But if you're going to trade him, which is why I say this is best and worst case, so mid-range is trade him. If you're going to trade him, trade him now. Because if you trade him after a year of being out of the NHL, the value you're going to get back for him just deteriorated drastically.
1: Well, he, they won't have his rights anymore, I'm pretty sure, after this year. So they, I don't even think they'd be able to trade him after this year, would they?
0: Well, not after the year, but, like, if so if they, after December 1st, if they don't sign him, can they still trade Yeah, they they can still trade him at that point. So, you know, you have to trade him this season. Now, I guess, yeah, you prove a pretty good point, too, because, you know, if our assumptions are correct and he can't sign with a new team after December 1st at 5 p.m., why do you trade him? You're going to be trading a player who's going to sit out for half a year with a new team. So, I would argue his value goes down greatly tomorrow night at 5. So, I mean...
1: I, I don't think there is a value. Who's going to trade for him? When I mean, you hit, when he can't play the rest of the year.
0: Don't get me wrong. I think there are rebuilding teams. Definitely are rebuilding teams that would look to maybe stash him and sign him next year.
1: In maybe a, get him in the building and.
0: Well, like maybe you know maybe they. They give a give up a couple of pieces. And then if they have to – if they miss the date to sign him or miss the deadline to sign him, they let him sit because he's – I mean, they, they will – well, I guess they will have traded him. He won't have a contract, so I guess you're right. He, there's no point in taking nope. – there's no point. Huh. Well, this just got really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, best and worst case from your perspective. What does Dubas do? What does he need to do?
1: I think – Best case, I don't think they're going to get a long-term deal done. That's just my opinion. No. They're getting so close, I don't think a long-term is enough. I
0: think Bridge is best case. I think three-year Bridge bridge is best case at this point.
1: Bridge, I think best case, heck, they get even a two-year Bridge with him. Okay. Best case, two-year Bridge, maybe they go off a little bit on their side. They meet somewhere in the middle where they are right now. Worst case, he sits like you said, you're going to lose him for nothing. And if you're Toronto, even though you have a really good young team, you can't lose someone like Will ne- William William for nothing.
0: No, and, and I and that's they and they just did that. They just did that because they just lost JVR in free agency for nothing, and he signed again with the Philly Flyers. Um, and in fact, when he was in Toronto, he was still on his first Philly entry level deal, and now he signs uh-huh. again with them. But yeah, I mean, you know, JVR. He had a career year last year in Toronto, and they decided they're going to let him go. Philly picks him up. You know, if you let another one go, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kyle Dubas is not doing anything wrong yet. But you let Nylander and JVR go back-to-back seasons, it's not really showing your strength as I a general manager. What? Right. It doesn't it doesn't make you look like the best. He's also incredibly young, though, so he's got a lot of learning to do. and Maybe this is kind of helping him to learn the tough lessons about being strong on offers and signing players when you need to. Um, So,
1: what do you think happens? What's your guess?
0: uh, Ooh, pressure's on. Now I didn't. Um, I'm going to guess, optimistically albeit, a one-year deal. I'm going to guess probably somewhere in the ballpark of six and a half to seven for next year just so he can play. Yeah. Um. Or I guess no. He's got to get a contract for this year, or not this next year. year. So I'm gonna okay. So I'm gonna jump this number down a little then, because he's already out half a season. You're not gonna pay him for a full season to play halfway through. So maybe well,
1: it, it would be rated. It would be rated.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so maybe you know. Okay. So you know. So one year. You know. I I think six and a half to seven is the ballpark he's looking for. We'll see what he gets. But I think a one year bridge deal, and you let him hang around, and if it doesn't work like you hoped it would the rest of this year, then he walks.
1: I think they trade
0: him. You think they trade him? I, I guess I, what I'm saying in the long run is I think, I
1: think— I think Kyle Dubas realizes that he would rather get something for him and then give up ground and they find someone to trade him to. Well, and they're still a good team without him.
0: They really are. And we would not be we would not be running, how should we say, a fair podcast if we didn't talk about Toronto and not talk about their problems on the blue line. And there are probably a lot of teams with an excess of blue liners that would not mind handing over one for Nylander. I mean, for a, a solid forward who can play top six minutes. Um, So, you're, I mean, yeah, maybe a deal gets done. Maybe, you know, maybe by tomorrow the blue line for Toronto looks a lot better. Um, and that team continues to get better. I mean, you Anything know,
1: else?
0: I don't I, – we, we talked about Nylander. We talked about – Hextall and nate schmidt nick schmaltz i don't i think we've covered pretty much everything this week i think uh it's a pretty busy week even though it didn't seem like it i'm hoping next week's the same i don't want to be picking the same stuff to talk about next week but uh for those of us who did join us we uh we thank you we hope to see you again next week and uh i will be setting up an email address i will leave it in the description of this podcast if you want Send us your opinions, send us your questions, comments. We'll address them in the next episode if there are any to talk about. We'd love to hear from you guys. And on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and call her a night. Wrap a bow on her. So for Frankie Desmond, I am Jake Biddell. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.
1: we're we going, man?